Have you ever thought about what your mailman has for breakfast? Have you ever wondered what your neighbor's favorite song is? And do you ever look at someone and think, I bet they have a story to tell? Well, welcome to Ordinary Interesting, where we will ask all of those questions. And more. As we bring out the interesting in ordinary people. Hey, Michael. Hey, Chris. How's it going, man? Going good. Glad you're alive. (laughs) I am glad, too. Being alive is always a good thing. It is a good thing, and I'm very (laughs) glad that you're here. I was scared for a moment between when we finished recording the last episode and now that you might not be alive. So Yeah, I mean, who who would have thought the very next day life would flash before my eyes? So (laughs) Did it, it, like, like, legit question, did it really? Well, no, but I mean, it, it, it felt like it. So I mean, I, I can kind of share a little bit about what happened. So last time we recorded was a Thursday evening and the very next evening, I, I wasn't feeling very good that day. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that something was up, but it wasn't anything that was alarming. And I felt worse the following day. You know, I worked from home, so I just kind of took it easy and, and worked and did my normal thing. And then I got dressed and went to a restaurant about a four or five blocks away from where I live and met my boyfriend there for dinner for sushi. And I was starting to feel worse in the car. And I got out of the car and I sat down, he met me. (laughs) And funny thing is, you know, we were sitting there and I just kind of start sweating a little bit and and I was feeling worse and worse and worse. And I kind of explained him a little bit what was going on and, but I passed it off as if, oh, it's no big deal. and I'm fine. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Cause that's just me. Right. Mm -hmm. I I don't, cause who needs to take care of themselves? Cause that's not important. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, and he says, well, you should have, you know, done a virtual visit. Why didn't you do that? I said, oh, well, because I'm fine. It's not a big deal. Of course I kept passing it off. And um, (laughs) then we order our sushi rolls and they come and, I start feeling worse and worse and worse, and I just start shaking. Uh, I I can't stop just shaking and shivering at this point. And I wasn't cold, but I was just shivering. And I got mm-hmm. up and I excused myself to the bathroom because so I was thinking, well, you know, maybe I splashed some water on my face or whatever it is, or you know. And I I went to the bathroom and I walked back to our table. I said, yeah, take me to the hospital, please. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah it takes a lot for me to realize that i gotta go to the hospital like I, that doesn't happen to me very much and so you know he, he paid for a meal and and the hospital was only about six minutes away which was really nice it was really close and we get there and then we walk in and at this point i am just just shivering and chattering and it's it's almost like you know when you're in cold weather and you just can't get warm when you're just shaking and shivering your teeth are chattering but i wasn't cold like my body was going into some sort of a septic shock or something and um Mm -hmm. you know i i go in the hospital and by the time they kind of put me down in a hospital bed i was just completely just shivering and shaking and feeling awful and pain was spiking it was really really bad and you know, the, the triage nurse who they, they took me into a room and gave me loads of painkillers, which calmed me down. But it turned out I had a really high fever. Uh, I don't know if it was really high, but it was definitely it was high enough where it was really affecting me. And so they gave me drugs, tried to bring the fever down and break the fever and um, had all kinds of tests, ultrasounds. And uh, you know what, do you know what contrast is? 
I mean, I know what it is in a visual setting, but not in a medical one. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, I'm not a medical professional, so please forgive me my description of this. But from what I understood, what contrast is, is they took me into a room that has a, a large CAT scan machine. And they put me in the CAT scan machine, but they also, uh, they gave me an IV of, I think it was iodine. And what that does is it lights up your organs oh. so they can see what's going on. That That's the best description I can give. I'm sure somebody who's a medical professional can explain it better than I can, but. That's kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> it is, it, it's kind of cool, but let me tell you, it was horrible. It felt really bad. Um, they described it to me, they said, you're gonna feel really hot, really flushed, and you're gonna feel your skin tingling. Um, and that's exactly how it felt. Like I had to hold on to a bar as they like slowly m moved me into this uh, CAT scan machine mm -hmm. um, and back out again. And of course, I'm I'm at this point I am so hopped up on multiple painkillers and um, antibiotics at this point that I'm just kind of going in and out of lucid lucidity or whatever the word is. I just wasn't really conscious half the lucidity, time. Lucidity, yeah. Lucidity, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I have a way with words. Yeah, and it turned out, so the overall summary of this is I had a, uh, a bacterial infection that had gotten to a point when it turned into sepsis. And mm. um, so I was admitted to the hospital that night. Which, by the way, sepsis is like life-threatening. It's it's not good. Like it's, basically, yeah. So yeah. my understanding of sepsis, and again, I'm not a professional, but this is the way I can explain it, is that it's where the bacteria has entered your bloodstream and has now affected your whole bloodstream. So it's basically mm. like moving under body in your bloodstream. And that can cause things like clots and it can cause organs to shut down and things like that. So if untreated. Oh, really great stuff. Yeah, really great stuff. It's super healthy, you know. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I didn't know anything about this. This is my first time having a, a major medical issue as an adult. And um, so we didn't know that until the next day. And when the doctor came in and explained that to us, they had told us I was going to be admitted that night because they had to run more tests to see the source of the bacterial infection. They knew, they knew it was some sort of an infection, but they didn't know what it was or what the bacteria was. So the doctor came in and said that, you know, they had identified what the bacteria was and that you know, he needed to keep me for a while because I was septic and explain mm. to me what sepsis was. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, again, me being me, I said, well, what would happen if I just left? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, okay. So, and, oh, well, okay. And I knew it. I knew at this point, like, I'm not going home. Like, I knew this is a big thing. I knew I'm going to be there for a while at this point. But I am, again, I'm just me. I'm wildly independent to a fall. It's not always a good thing. You wanted to be back in your cave is what I, you wanted. Well, I wanted to, I, I, first of all, I didn't want to pay for, I didn't want the medical bills. Like I, I knew it was going to be expensive. I didn't want to do all of that. And I, again, I just don't, I, I wanted to be independent. I wanted to just go home and nurse myself and, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I mean, but I, I knew, like I asked that question half joking because I knew I'm going to be here. And, you know, the, <laughs> The doctor and the nurse both, you know, supported the story of saying one way or another, you would have wound up here. Either you if if you hadn't come in at all, you would have woken up the next morning in a much worse state and had to come here in an ambulance mm -hmm. um, or you could have died from the sepsis or you, mm. you, you would have wound up back here in some way, some form. Um, yeah. And they said that, that it's good that you came in when you did because we were able to get you on an immediate IV transfusion of antibiotics to get your blood healthy again. And um, so, yeah, yeah, I was there from Friday night until 
Tuesday afternoon. So I was there for a while. And, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a really uh, an amazing experience. Not, not, well, I shouldn't say amazing, but um, uh, I guess <laughs> probably so, the wrong descriptor well, there, but yeah. Well, but it was though, because uh, amazing doesn't always have to be fun and happy. Amazing can be awe-inspiring. And it, it was for me because it was one of those things where I was in a different element that I'm used to. I am so used to taking care of myself and being self-sufficient. And here was a situation where like even getting out of bed, like I remember I got out of bed once because the doctor told me to move. Um, and I getting out of bed made me dizzy to the point when I could mm. barely walk the first couple of days. And I had to have a nurse or my boyfriend literally help me sit up in bed, swing my legs over, stand up and walk for like three to five minutes around the hospital floor and then back in bed, mm. you know, and it was, I just had multiple moments of, I can't believe this is my life now. <laughs> like, this is who I've become. I've become this helpless, like, it's that kid from the secret garden who just gets wheeled everywhere in a wheelchair, you know? Oh, and just, man, <laughs> I forgot about that. Anyways, continue. <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, I, I am so incredibly, incredibly grateful and just awestruck by the skill, the professionalism, the grace, the kindness of all the medical professionals that worked with me. I mean, I, I've I had a respect for, you know, medical personnel before this, but it's so much deeper now because, I mean, I had a wonderful, amazing day nurse who she was with me every day um, and she answered my questions and she came and did the small things for me, like brought me ginger ale and saltine crackers and answered like dumb questions that I had about things. And then she also answered like the high stake stuff, like questions about my, my treatment to what was going on and where my vitals were at and all those kind of things. And I was just amazed that, you know, these people go to school for so long, spend so much of their hard work, time, money, and energy to be educated for this job. And their job is to be selfless. Like they help people in their worst moments. Like I was not hundred percent me, you know, because I was incapacitated by this illness I had. And here was someone who executed it with professionalism, with skill and with grace. And I'm so incredibly thankful for her and everybody else who helped me out. And I think I'm going to go back soon here. I'm going to get some cards and some flowers and just give each of my nurses a card and a flower and just thank them for their, what they did. Cause it meant a lot. It really did. That's sweet. That's sweet. Um, yeah, you scared the hell out of me, man. <laughs> <laughs> like you, we had a conversation about you not feeling good and you said you were in the hospital and that's That made me a little nervous, but you were like, Oh, it's just a, uh, you downplayed it. And you mm -hmm. were like, it's a, do you mind me saying what it was, what you said it was, was that Go part of it? That was part of it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. You can share it. It's totally yeah, fine. It was a testicular contusion, which is basically when, a, if I understand it correctly, it's when a blood vessel wraps around basically one of your, one of your balls. That's what they thought it was. Yeah. That's what, that's what they thought it was at first. And that's, that's why they admitted me so they could do more testing, mm -hmm. um, which I'm actually happy that it wasn't that because this is called testicular torsion. And what happens most of the time the in torsion, those, that's what it yeah, was. Most of the time in those situations is that they have to operate surgically. They have to go in, they have to remove it. And sometimes there can become an abscess, which is really, really bad. So that didn't happen, which was fortunate because that would probably wind up with a surgical intervention. Hmm. 
this turned out to be but just think about it if it was that and you had stayed at that japanese it was a japanese restaurant right (laughs) yeah it was it was a a sushi place yeah yeah you were at a sushi place like you you could have said i gave my left nut for the sushi (laughs) and meant it i love sushi so much though it's one of my favorite foods like i I eat it constantly like it's it's a whole thing um (laughs) and i'm I'm not saying i wouldn't sacrifice for sushi someday because i very well would but i I don't want to i mean i I like both of my testicles i think i want to keep them i I think Um, that's a wise move i yes okay continue yeah yeah (laughs) but but yeah like i i heard that and then the next day like i woke up and it was Saturday morning and I was downstairs on the couch and you called me yeah, like FaceTime me, which I was like, Michael doesn't FaceTime someone in the morning unless he's got something serious to say. And I knew you were in the hospital the night before. So I picked it up and you were like, dude, it's, I've got sepsis. My blood's gone sepsis, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to die. I didn't say I was going to die. <laughs> you didn't say you were going to die. Okay. But I'm exaggerating. I mean, it felt but, like it at the time. But, but you, you sounded, you sounded like there was a, there was a real risk to your health. There genuinely was, there was a yes. risk of like yes, actual was. death and it scared me. I was like, how am I going to get the next podcast out? <laughs> that was your only concern. No, that was absolutely how, how, was not. how can I pump this podcast out? I, I mean, like, that would make for an incredible episode. It was like, well, you know, we're down one host. Yeah. So, well, I mean, the, the best, the best part about like this, well, I could do this episode without you, but the, you know, the previous episode, it would have been like the, my last memory with Michael. And then I could do an episode yeah. this time talking about how heartbroken we were that we didn't know that that was our last time together. All those thoughts are going through my head and like, I, I don't mean, know, I was, I was really, you scared, like legit scared me, dude. I was very concerned. I really and, wouldn't mind having zombies and Muppets be my last testimony on earth. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I mean, that was probably probably one of our finest pieces. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it's it's I I remember I actually think I called you and I call you the night before. Wasn't it Friday night that I called when I was in the the emergency room? You were we were texting. Okay. Yeah. I remember I, I called you once. I feel, feel like I was rather high when I called you. I, yeah. I was I was definitely you, you high. Probably, some, you probably yeah. don't remember my attempt so, to empathize with you. Then. I don't remember that at all. That's Not, good. I mean, that's, that's I mean, good. I would remember that because it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll tell you offline, but it is not a podcast story. <laughs> okay, okay, um, yeah, it was it was really though. I learned a lot of things, like a lot of lessons through that whole experience. One of them is just don't be afraid to admit when you are above, like you're you're overwhelmed or you are above your capacity when it comes to taking care of your health. Like, and, right. and that's something I've never been good at. Like I just, I'm, I will troop through the pain. I will figure it out. I will pop a Tylenol or an Advil and just scoop, keep on going on. And I shouldn't always do that. I should listen to my body and know, Hey, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not like I didn't do that in this situation, but you know, just really take a beat and take care of myself and understand what's going on. And, but one of the biggest lessons I learned and, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to this is for a good period of my life, like I didn't have, you know, I, I had friends, I had good friends like you and I had some other good friends in my life, but I didn't have anybody who was, you know, constantly in my corner, you know, and now I've had a wonderful boyfriend for the past, you know, over two years now. And, you know, I remember 
he was there when I went to the hospital and he stayed there all night until they kicked him out. And the visiting hours were from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. each day because of COVID. They, they couldn't stay overnight. And um, every day he showed up right at 8 a.m. and left at 9 p.m. And he only left to take care of my dog during those mm. days. And he was there all the time. And he was there when I wasn't lucid enough to like understand what the doctor was telling me. He was always there when the doctors came in to make sure that there was someone who was competent who could ask questions. Well, that's a thing because they're giving very highly medical information that I don't understand myself. And I'm also like on painkillers and in pain sure. and not really 100% myself, right? So, but he was always there to ask questions and research things. And he even got together a thread with all my best friends um, that he knew and gave updates and talked to my parents. And that just, was a lot of fun to be on that thread, by the way. <laughs> the name <laughs> kept was, changing. That was yeah. kind of the ha highlight of my weekend. <laughs> I know. Um, and he, he kept my parents informed during the whole time. He took care of my dog. Um, when he brought me home from the hospital, he had flowers in my apartment and he brought me a new bathrobe. Aww. He'd have something comfortable to relax in. Like, you know, but it's, I remember multiple times I just would wake up from a painkiller coma <laughs> Look over to the left and you see him sitting there just doing something on his iPad or headphones in, just hanging out and think, you're still here. You know what I mean? And I've mm -hmm. I've not had that in my life up to this point. And it's mm -hmm. just, I am so incredibly grateful for it. Um, that's what love is. Like, that's what you do. And Because I yeah. would do that for him in a heartbeat. Like, I wouldn't even think about it. Mm -hmm. I would be there, you know, when times get tough and that's what love is. And I'm I'm so incredibly grateful for it. And that was a big lesson that I learned um, just to appreciate it and don't take it for granted. And it's special. Yeah. And I was very well taken care of. It was a very scary, it was a very big deal. And I'm still recovering from it. I am on two, I think, the world's strongest antibiotics. Um, <laughs> I actually am taking three pills, two antibiotics and one. The purpose of it solely is to coat my stomach. So the first two antibiotics don't like eat through my stomach lining. Like <laughs> that's that's how strong these antibiotics are. Wow. Um, and I, I have to take them in a certain interval, and I, I have to take them with food. It's a whole thing. I had I had um, H. pylori um, several years ago. What's that? It's a it's a stomach bacteria that can be really dangerous, and um, if if left unchecked, it can eventually like create. Basically, it's it's a catalyst for stomach cancer. So oh, wow. when they caught it, I was really, you know, relieved. I had had um, <laughs> I'd had some sticky poo is the only way to really describe it. <laughs> That's and, disgusting, um, but I but I get it. <laughs> yeah. And had I had I probably not been so attached to my vices in some ways, I probably wouldn't have noticed it mm. as much because um, they said that alcohol and tobacco um, exacerbate it and can give you really bad indigestion. So for months, because my family has a history of GI issues, um, it runs in the family, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But my my GI, like my family has a history of GI issues. And so I just thought that it was something that I would have to like, I just thought it was like something intestinal or something. So I was taking like um, a like Prilosec or something like that from for heartburn is what I thought I had. And that's basically how it, my body was reacting to not just alcohol and, and smoking. And I don't smoke or drink that much anymore anyway, but like. Um, and even not at that time, but you know, the one few times I'd have a cigar, I'd have really bad reaction. I'd feel, I'd feel like I had, 
um, bad indigestion after it or something and just all this weird stuff. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's the H. pylori. It's the bacteria in your system. So I had to take like this Z. I think they called it like a Z pack or something like that. But it was mm-hmm. it was just this giant regimen of like seven, seven pills a day for two weeks. And yep. I took it and, and got over it, but man, it's it sucks. So I I know a little of what you're going through with all of the uh, the medication and stuff. So yeah, glad uh, it's, glad it's you're on something though. Yeah. yeah, you feeling better though? You're getting better. You know, I am. The first couple of days were rough. I didn't work, um, which that was hard for me because I'm I'm a go getter and I like to jump in and you know I don't like using my <laughs> PTO days from work and. Mm-hmm. But I, I went back to work after a couple of days of being home and relaxing, and that was okay. And you know now it's just managing the antibiotics. And I have had kind of had a migraine today, but overall it's it's been good. Like I feel like myself again mostly, and all that stuff. I'm trying to remember to eat my Jamie Lee Curtis yogurt. <laughs> you remember that stuff from back in the oh, day, yeah. Activia? Oh yeah, oh yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> I watched, uh, yeah, I would watch the old commercials because they're hilarious. And SNL did a spoof on this. It was hilarious. So watch oh, it. Oh yes, it's really, I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny, but also I've, and then I, I take a daily probiotic because everybody and the doctors even told me, you know, with these antibiotics, make sure you take probiotics, you know, eat the yogurt and take a daily probiotic because, um, they can basically, as they are flushing your system of the bacteria, what they'll also do is they'll also eat away the, the good flora bacteria in your mm-hmm. gut, um, which can cause digestive issues, things like C. diff and, you know, gastrointestinal digestive issues. So I've been trying to take my Jamie Lee Curtis yogurt twice a day, <laughs> <It's> my probiotic. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really feel like that kid from the secret garden. Like I really do. Like I just want like a like a little English hat and a little wheelchair and just in the garden somewhere and just ask someone for a bowl of porridge and just for them to wheel me around the garden and just tell me about different flowers and fantasies. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So that's uh, that's my harrowing adventure over the past couple of weeks. So, anyway. brother, that we are glad to have you alive and glad well, to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be alive too. Yeah. How's your past couple of weeks been? Anything interesting for you? <sighs> Nothing as interesting as that. Um, it's been work, man. Like probably stuff that would bore people on the podcast. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time saying anything other than, yeah, it's just been kind of the ins and outs. Like I still feel like my family's slowly getting over sicknesses and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's just been a slow grind towards yeah. more of a reality of like, oh, yeah, things are getting back to normal. I'd say the most interesting thing that, that has happened to me is I've actually started working out again. So that's been... I've noticed. Yeah, I it's nice. I am very weak and I am a weakling <laughs> because I haven't really worked out in four years. If you count the pandemic time plus the time that I had my dislocated kneecap, which is another story of just utter stupidity um, and being in the hospital and fun stuff. So, yeah, you know, I hadn't really done a whole lot to keep active. I mean, I tried and I would start to get back into things and then things would happen. Like I looked at my fitness app that I use and um, it was like the last one was May of last year. And, you know, after that, it was like we were traveling and we got busy. Or actually, well, what happened was I got into about a week's worth of fitness and then all of a sudden the family was home. So it was Bahar mm-hmm. and the kid and and it's great to have them home. But the the downside for me with fitness is like I wake up in the morning and they're there. So if I get up and leave and go to the gym and come back, it just it's a whole different rhythm in the summer. And so it just throws yeah. my 
kind of my day for a loop when it comes to staying fit. So I'm hoping that by starting in March, I'll actually be able to have enough of a routine that by May I won't fall off the wagon, so to speak, and I'll be able to move forward. Plus, my body needs it, man. Like you talk about listening to your body and things like that. Like um, it just I feel like I'm sleeping better, even though I'm not sleeping any different in terms of like total time slept. It's like I'm getting deeper rest when I sleep. And I have more energy throughout the day. Just everything feels better. And it gives me something to do. Now, the one downside is, of course, you know, with gas prices being what they are, I picked a great time to be getting out of the house in a time when I'd normally be at home anyway. But yeah, it's been good on a lot of different levels. And even even like mental health, I feel like this week I've not really dealt with some of the stresses, anxieties I normally do because I'm, you know, staying physically active. So it's just a good reminder for me and for anybody else out there listening, looking to get motivated to go back and work out. But do you have yeah. a, a specific goal? Like, is it is it tied around weight loss or like weight do you have loss, a specific goal that you're trying to my, reach? My big thing right now, and I know I need to tie diet into that at some point, but right now, like it's a little bit of strengthening and weight loss at the moment because I've got, um, because of my surgeries and everything, like I've not had the chance to go out and run and be active. And I've got a three-year-old son who's going to want to run more, be more active. And I'm going to need to chase him down. And, you know, eventually I'm going to have to like run after him and tackle him. So, you know, I might as well, either for fun or because, you know, he's being a punk, I'm going to have to do something like that. So it's like, I need to get back in shape. So I'm not like, Ooh, can I do this? Right. Like, You know, I've been getting to the point because of playing with my son, actually, that I've run around the house a little bit and stuff. I've not done anything intense, but like just this week, like the leg exercises I did just made me go, wow, I've lost a lot of muscle tone in my legs and I really need to get back into back into that just to strengthen myself more. But yeah, having kids helps. That's the other thing. It's not been like I've been totally dormant because I do have kids and they do keep you physically active. But, you know, not enough to make a difference in like my ability to bench press or things like that. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you can always use your kids as barbells. I mean, that's that could always be a thing, right? Oh, well, they're dumbbells. Yeah. I use them as dumbbells <laughs> all the time. <laughs> not not that they are dumbbells, but they're free You said weights. it, not me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, they can be, but no, I'm kidding. I love my kids. They're, they're smart. <laughs> that's awesome though like i'm proud of you that that's important and i know that you you want to be and you are and you want to keep being a really good dad and uh you know being healthy and staying alive and and you know vital for your kids is really important are you going to become one of those you know do you even lift bros i mean i don't intend to be I will say I genuinely do have the body type that if I really put my mind to it, I probably could have some good muscle games and get, I don't know about shredded, but I could definitely get in some, get in pretty decent shape pretty quickly because we've got that Scandinavian blood in our family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, my mom's side, my, well, my mom's dad's side is like from New York and from that region. So, yeah, I mean, it's really important to be, the strongest podcaster in the room like oh, that's yeah. <laughs> you want to just be really shredded for the podcasts yeah yeah i mean you know it really helps in this audio only podcast for people to know just how shredded i am and that's, exactly that's just, to the max yeah i yeah. just do a, a couple of peck pops and you know yeah yeah exactly yeah, regular terry cruz over here <laughs> 
I always think it's weird when people do that. Like, it's just, it's off-putting. I don't know why people think it's so, like, I don't, I don't understand. It, like the, the one thing that it shows is you've got muscle control in that area, and that's not an area most people weird. have muscle, muscle like control. It, well, yeah, like, it looks why weird. Your, that's why they like, do it, because it's weird. <laughs> it looks stupid. I mean, Terry, we're talking about, we're talking about folks like Terry Crews. Like, he's funny well he makes it look good yeah he's the one person that i'm like okay you can keep doing that i'll watch it yeah okay well (laughs) you have your reasons and whatever anyways um moving on moving on i I think we should go to our interesting uh this week we don't have a guest but we've got some interesting topics um to talk about so all right let's go with that said we're gonna go into it yeah All right. Well, time okay. for the interesting topics here. Sounds good. What do you got, Chris? Um, yeah. So I had a friend of mine just just send this to me tonight. He's like, I'm just spitballing here. Got a question I want to bounce off of you. And it's an interesting question. It's kind of a sensitive question, but I figured it was a deep thought. And so it'd be a good one for me to bring up and for us to discuss. So his question to me was anytime you, and, and speaking generally of me as in white people, use race as a description in a situation that doesn't necessitate it, what are the chances that you would include their racial description if they were white? Oh, that's really interesting. And he said, you know, white people rarely use the word white as a description when talking about someone who is white. It -hmm. seems like if there's no description, the assumption is that they are white. So what function is it serving to use color, either intentionally or unintentionally, when it is used? Okay. And so for me, like when he asked that question, I was like, in general, like I use it just because I want to just identify that person or describe that person in more detail. I don't mean anything by it. I would say most of the time, I'll be honest, there are times where I've probably said it and, you know, implied, well, something I shouldn't have, I'll be honest. But it's like there is, um, I don't know, there's a difference. Like for the most part, I don't, I don't do it consciously, if that makes sense. I don't do it intentionally, but I think it's describing another person or people group like when I'm just trying to add context to the situation. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I try not to use silly voices or things like that unless I'm just being stupid or it's a really weird situation. But, you know, I'm not going around imitating black voices or things like that. But yeah, typically I don't don't think about it. There's definitely been times where I've been like, oh yeah, and they were black. And it's like... Oh, what did I mean by that? You know, right. and after yeah. I say it, I kind of feel bad that I said it because I'm like, I just made that person look worse by saying that. And I know I did, you know, mm-hmm. and that's not good. I know right. that's not good, but that's definitely happened. I'm just being honest. Yeah. And it's like, it's something we have to think about. But I also think the other side of that is like, what does it mean for someone in the black community? Do they just always talk about people and then describe people as white when they're white. Like, what do you see, Michael? That's why I thought this was the perfect question for us. It was like, what do you see? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I've actually been thinking about this myself this week. And so, you know, the question you just asked me, you know, what do I notice? So the first thing I want to say is this. I, I am black. I'm a person of color. However, I was not raised in a traditional, I wasn't raised by a black family. My entire life, I've been raised by a white family. 
very Midwestern. The majority of my friends have been white. My professional environments have primarily, and until recently, moving in Indianapolis, they've primarily been very white. And that, that's not of any, you know, that, that wasn't intentional. That's just kind of how it worked out in my life. And I'm, I'm proud of all of it. I'm proud of the entire story. But so I, I don't feel like I have a, a super strong authority on the Black community. But what I have observed is that yes, that is said. Like it, it is brought up in the in the same light as you know a white person saying, "Oh, and that person was black." You know, black people say, "Oh, and, and you know a white person said this or that." Um, I, I think a lot of times it's not intentionally meant to be disparaging towards the race. It's just because in this country we still have such a strong divide on black and white relations. We just, we really, really do. And so when people say that, it's almost as if it's a shortcut to try to get their point across from what they're trying to say, whether it be a good or a bad thing, a a disparaging comment or a positive comment, you know, and I'm conflicted. I'm I'm definitely going to say that I don't know what the answer to this question is, if we should or should not. I don't know because I'm wrestling with it myself because I'm a huge proponent of celebrating diversity. I feel like we should not wash over humanity with a with a beige brush and say everybody's <laughs> the same and I don't see color. We should definitely see color. We should right. celebrate diversity. I mean, it's the same thing as like you have a, the best salads are diverse salads, right? You have all different kinds of greens in there and vegetables and that's what makes it, you know, amazing, right? The color and contrast is beautiful. And I think we should celebrate that as long as we don't use that as a weapon against the other party, which definitely happens. So Mm -hmm. it's a very interesting question. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. Like, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of this podcast I've been listening to called Dead Eyes. It's really cool. Michael, you would love it. I need to send you a link to it. It's um, basically about an actor that basically he had auditioned and initially won the role a small like one two line role in Band of Brothers, you know the movie directed by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg's right, mm-hmm. yeah. And so he thought he won the part, and then he didn't win the part. Basically, they told him he had to come back in and, and re audition for his roles because Tom Hanks thought he had dead eyes. Really? Yeah, and that was the okay. reason he like they were concerned about him being a fit for the roles. So that's going to throw your game off. And he came in, re-auditioned, lost the role. And of course he got fired. And of course all these years he's thought, well, I lost the role because Tom Hanks thought I had dead eyes. That's what I was told. And it's kind of been a moniker for him. Like over time, it's become like a badge of honor, kind of a story that he tells at every party because not everybody there's always heard it, that sort of thing. So he turned it into a podcast about like reclaiming his failures and things like that. And mm-hmm. in the one of the most recent episodes I listened to, he interviews Tony Hale. You know who Tony Hale is? I sure do. Yes. I love Tony Hale. For those hilarious. Who, for those hilarious who aren't, aren't aware, yes, Tony Hale is Buster <laughs> from Arrested Development. And um he and, plays uh, he also played uh Tony from Veep. Tony yeah, oh, no, no, I'm 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 sorry, um Gary. Um, Gary, thank you, thank Gary, you. Yes, Gary. Gary from Gary yeah, from Veep. Gary, so funny. And yeah, he played those great characters. Well, they were talking about just as white guys, like going out and auditioning for roles and seeing their names 
on the casting director's like description of what they want in the character. Mm -hmm. But it's like Tony was like, I went up for one role and it said a Tony Hale type, i.e. emasculated loser. Mm. And it was like, really? And like you think about it, it's like it's not always just about race. Not that I'm trying to turn the conversation here, but it was just interesting to think about it in other terms of like, oh, yeah, a Tony Hale type may not be a good thing. If you think about the characters he's played, it would. And even Tony was like, why say Tony Hale, though? Like, why not say Gary or, you know, Buster? Those are characters I've played that have that trait but they're they're not me and so that was that was really interesting to hear him say and so i think the same can be true of like this situation it's like you know yeah what kind of descriptors are we using of people that are just initially going to be read as negative it's like going to the wrong side of town typically implies you're going to the town side of town where you know the black people live and that's a terrible thing that we have to say but you know going to the ghetto yeah exactly yeah like all these different things are descriptors that we use that have a racist overtone and Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's just interesting and so like thinking about it in that way it's like do we use it in good ways do we use it in bad ways and i i mean like i said i i admit and i'm sorry that i've used them in bad ways like for anyone listening i'm I have too. You know, I definitely have. Yeah, yeah. And you've probably used some derogatory towards white people too, I sure right? I have sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I've just... used them towards both. I've used them towards both races. Actually, <laughs> I know I have. I know you have too. We've had these yeah. conversations, <laughs> but it's just like you know, we we all have perceived stereotypes of people and things and different life experiences. So I just thought it was, I just thought it was interesting. I think it's good to be conscious of yeah. when to describe and when not to describe. I think. I almost think you could even do the opposite of this, which is not describe enough and then you leave the person without any context for the situation. Right. Which is interesting because when you don't leave enough context in, people press in and they're like, who who was this person? Right. Exactly. And that's when you go, well, do you say the color of their skin? Does it matter? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't yeah, know. I think that's the hard part because I think sometimes it does matter. Right. Yeah. So a good example of when it does matter is I was actually having a, a very in-depth conversation with my oldest friend last night about this. And um, now I'm going to butcher her name. So forgive me. But uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson, uh, the first black woman to be served on the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm. Big deal. Right. So we were talking about it. And, you know, his standpoint is he didn't like the fact that our president joe biden mentioned that he was going to nominate a black woman to the supreme court he didn't like the fact that her race was called out because he he was saying that you know i i don't like the fact that that's a factor in choosing he wasn't meaning it to be racist right what his meaning was he didn't he wanted someone who was qualified for the job and leave their race out of it. And I said, I agree with you on the fact that, you know, it it should not be solely based on race. However, it's important to still call it out because celebrating the fact that a black woman is on the US Supreme Court, that's a really big deal. And it's also it's gonna give you know, young girls of color all over the country, some hope, the fact that maybe I can actually aspire to that level, right? Maybe I can, I can achieve my dreams of greatness because look, she did it. It's important to celebrate this. And, you know, not, not to say that 
she got that solely because she was black. I don't think that's mm -hmm. right. And I'll say it again. I think that she obviously qualified for the role. If you research her, you know, she has so many accomplishments um, in her career as an attorney. But celebrating the fact that she is black as part of it, I think is really important. He disagreed with me on that. So we had a very long conversation about it. And it really made me think a little bit about this and, mm. you know, race labeling and all of these kinds of things. When is it appropriate? When is it not appropriate? Yeah. And, and I think you're, you're right. It's a challenge. I, I do agree. It should have been, it should definitely be celebrated. I do kind of feel like they bungled the way they presented it. If that makes any sense, it's it did seem like, oh, yeah, we are specifically going for a black person versus, hey, this is our nominee and we are very proud because they will be the first black person. That's how I feel like it should have been presented. Mm -hmm. But what I saw presented was we need a black person and this is our pick. Does that make sense? You see yeah. the difference there between <laughs> this is the right person for the job and they are this versus right. this is the race that we want and therefore we're putting this person in. That but to I, me feels conciliatory. Too, I can see it from your angle. I definitely do. Yeah, I still struggle with that because, again, being a black person, sure, I feel like I really want our nation's government to represent the the people that it leads and you know we we've I had a, that yeah we we've had a, a history of having an all-white all-male government for forever and now we're finally seeing some change and mm -hmm. so i guess i'm still processing this myself so i don't have all the answers yet but sure. where i'm at is part of me is like okay like intentionally seek out a black woman to be in the supreme court because that's a voice that's gone unheard at that level forever. And it's a huge population of this country that needs a voice. And, you know, I'm, I'm really getting tired of hearing, you know, wealthy white men tell black people about how to live their lives. Like I'm getting tired of it. And it's not because I don't think that they don't have merit. I think that they do have a voice in the conversation. However, that's all we've heard. And I want to hear from someone who looks like me, who can identify with, you know, the culture and can speak directly to those people because I think that matters. So, but again, yeah. I, I agree with you then the standpoint of, how do you draw the line between celebrating the fact that here's a very qualified candidate? Oh, and it's amazing that she's also the first black woman versus being, we're going to hire a black woman. You know what I mean? I, I, see, right. I see your point. Right. And that's, and that's kind of what I'm like, if it was my messaging, I, I think I would prefer obviously by side of the argument. However, I do see your side as well. And I do agree. Like our government should reflect the people. And we're becoming less and less white. And I think that has white people afraid. I'm not yeah. worried about yeah. it. But, you know, some people think that that's a bad thing for our country or they're afraid mm -hmm. of what it could mean for our country. And I'm just like, grow up like people groups change over time. And it's kind of beautiful that we're truly a melting pot of people and that eventually that'll be reflected in the even the the look of the people in our country. So, yeah, I mean, the the power of social media now just shows us what we can do. And, you know, groups that have been marginalized, I'm not just talking about the black community, I'm talking about Latinos, I'm talking about Asian Americans, like, mm -hmm. you know, of all colors and races, 
um, are getting bolder and speaking up and demanding representation on all different fronts, representation in medicine, representation in government, you know, in everything. And I think it is so important that that continue on in, you know, I understand that there may be white people out there who feel that their territory is being slowly usurped, (laughs) you you know, do you think that representation can get silly though? Like, do you think it can get to a point where it's like, all right, we're going to try and represent as many people as possible in this. And all of a sudden, like contextually, it doesn't make sense. I welcome that frenzy just because, well, because I want us to get to that point when, when we're trying so hard that it gets silly Um, because we're not there yet, you know, in, in art and musicals and things. So for example, I was talking about Cinderella you know, which that is a tradition. It has been the the first iterations of it was an all white cast, right? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, they came out with a new 1997 version where you know Brandy plays Cinderella, Whitney Houston plays the fairy godmother, you know, and Whippy uh, Goldberg plays the queen. So you know, it's a heavy black cast mm-hmm. in Annie. Just I think Annie had a relaunch of Annie right. where yeah. where the 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 girl who played Annie was black. And there's been multiple other iterations of you know publications and musicals and movies and things that have been remade um that have changed the race of the actors and I think that's exciting just because it it shows the fact that race doesn't have to define um, and that, you know, anybody can play the role. It's the same thing I feel where, you know, we let's we can flip it and move away from race and move into the gay and straight thing is, you know, I've always had a thing where I don't like it when straight actors play gay characters. Mm-hmm. And I'm still conflicted on that, but I'm realizing that as long as the acting is good. Like, it really doesn't matter to me anymore because as, as long as the representation is there, that's what's important. So some of my, f- my favorite, you know, movies that have gay characters are played by straight actors. And, you know, I, I think that that's important that that's there. But also understanding that, you know, it, it should be about the talent. Right. And and the talent shouldn't be exclusive. I, I remember when I was growing up, I was in musicals and things and I was turned down for, you know, a musical, um, the lead role, um, even though I was the best singing voice um, for the role. But I was told that it couldn't be done with a black actor. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was Music Man. So I, I didn't get the um, Harold Hill part. Um <laughs> Bullshit. See, that that's the type of thing that's bullshit. Like I I agree. I, I agree with you there. Like like all of that stuff, I don't mind. I mm-hmm. think that that yeah. type of thing, like I think, you know, all of that, like, yeah, get silly with that. I don't care. But yeah, I don't know. It just it's yeah. an interesting thought. It is. So what happened to you? You said you had something interesting. You've not told me about it all week, and I'm really yeah. curious. I had an interesting ex- encounter this past week. So I've been on a little bit of a donut craze. <laughs> oh. Past, I don't know why. I just love donuts right now. It's a, a current thing. It's an issue. I got to deal with it. So, mm, you uh, and my son you, would get along. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Like jelly filled, I mean, ugh, raspberry, strawberry filled with some glaze on the top. Yeah. Just, yeah. Next time you're in town, we'll have to take you to Beaver Dojo. Oh, that sounds good. It I is. Just, now, I don't like those donuts that are just like, if there's no filling, Okay, like my my thing, I need to have either an old fashioned with no glaze on it, or like 
cake, original cake with no glaze, or jelly-filled raspberry, lemon, or strawberry filling with like icing on top. That's my thing. Anyway, mm. that's a digression. So <laughs> um, the experience was this. So I went into, I got, got a, a hankering for some donuts on Tuesday evening of this past week. And, you know, I was laying in, on the couch watching Grey's Anatomy, which is in my current obsession after I got home from the hospital. Like I can't stop watching Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like my like weird way of coping with what I went through. Cause it's like immersed in this world. But anyway, it feels so, very uh, masochistic. It, it kind of is. Um, and I'm, I'm fine with it. So <laughs> I went to, I was going to door dash it, but I thought I don't need to pay $15 for two donuts when I could pay four bucks. So I got in the car, a little me and my dog got in the car and went down there and walked in and there was one other guy in there and then he left and then the woman who was there i could i think it was towards the end of the day so they were about ready to close and i could tell she was kind of tired and you know i asked her some questions about the donuts and i picked out the two that i wanted and um you know there was nobody else in the store at this point it was just her and myself and she just started talking i don't remember exactly what triggered it but she just started saying things started talking about like the price of the donuts, you know, versus how expensive the gas prices are becoming. Um, because those of I mean, everybody knows right now because of this issue that's happening with Russia and Ukraine, part of it politically is that, you know, our gas prices in the United States are soaring to record highs. Like it's insane right now how expensive gas is. And, um, you know, again, I live in a very wealthy northern suburb of Indianapolis where the general population is upper middle class to wealthy people. And that is definitely not me <laughs> at all. And so, hmm. you know, I, I walk in there and I'm just kind of wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt and kind of look half a mess. And I'm walking in there and just picking out donuts. And this woman just starts opening up to me out of the blue and just starts talking about, you know, the the cost of you know, gas prices and saying things like, you know, she is getting worried about the fact that she can, is going to have to quit her job because she can no longer afford to drive herself to work because of how much, it, how much the gas prices cost. Mm. Um, talking about how, you know, little she's paid versus how much she has to pay to get to her job. And that was really interesting. Um, and she just kind of starts going off. I mean, she wasn't rude or anything, but she just definitely was opening up and kind of venting to me. And, you know, she was saying things like she's a single mother and, you know, she just doesn't know what to do. And she's asked her boss for a raise and hasn't gotten it and all this stuff. And, you know, the thing that was interesting for me about all this is my internal journey through this conversation. Because at first I was thinking like, lady, I'm just here to buy some donuts. Like, please, like, I don't, please don't put your stress on me. <laughs> Like, I don't know what to do about this. That's what I first thought. Um, but then she made a comment. I don't remember the exact verbatim words that she used, but it's something about, you know, these people that come in here, it, like the, the cost of things mean nothing to them. And that's kind of when I switched and began to engage with her because I realized something important. And this kind of ties into our previous conversation that we just had about, you know, race and all that stuff mm -hmm. is that, and it's not all race, but it's definitely part of it. You know, she sees me as accessible in this situation because 
I don't look like the average person that walks into that shop. So the average person that lives in this part of town where I live, Carmel, Indiana, is definitely going to be white, upper middle class to wealthy, typically driving expensive cars, large SUVs, um, very well-dressed, typically business, you know, tech people, things like that. That's what you see in this community. And I do not look like that (laughs) at Mm -hmm. all. Um, So she sees me, you know, uh, a minority walking in there, driving a simple car, wearing very simple clothing, (laughs) Um, just buying some donuts. And she, she, I'm, I'm, I don't want to, you know, exactly put this on her. I don't know what her perception was, but I'm anticipating this is what she was thinking is that, you know, this guy is accessible because he's, he's going to agree with me or be on my side or in some way (laughs) identify with where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. Because I, I really believe that if, if I was, you know, a white guy who was dressed nicely and drove up in a Lexus or a BMW or whatever and walked in there, I'm guessing she probably wouldn't have opened up to me the way that she did because she really got personal and was talking about how she's just scared and talking about how, you know, what is she going to do if Putin decides to, you know, wage, you know, World War Three and decides to, you know, if you know gets involved and we have to go to war and things like that, like, all of this stuff, she's just really like, there's a lot of fear that she has about what's going on in our country right now. And it's fear that all of us have. I mean, all of us have mm-hmm. thought these things like, what are we going to do? You know, if NATO gets involved and all the countries start going at it and all this kind of stuff, and it becomes a World War Three per se, you know, and just even the current impacts again of gas prices was a big deal for her. You know, and I'm in a place where I don't, I don't really have to worry too much about gas prices right now. It's concerning, but I'm in a place where it's it's not going to make or break my bank right now. But for her, I could tell it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she doesn't necessarily like my mindset changed from being like, OK, I'm just here to buy some donuts. Can I go, please? To oh my goodness, like I want to listen to her and I want to interact with her because there's something here. There's something interesting here. There's something deeper here. She is, I'm having a connection with another human being on an important level. Um, and what, whatever, however she's perceiving me, she's seeing me as an accessible and safe person to let her fear out to. You know what I mean? And I'm guessing she's probably had like worked there all day long and had experienced people who maybe she didn't feel like she could do that. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe I had a uh, welcoming face. I don't know what my face was like that day. I remember. (laughs) You've got a welcoming face. You're a friendly guy. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Most of the time. Just done on a Monday. Um, (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Was she white? She was. She was white. She was white. She was, I, I, you know, she was white. She was in her, I mean, I'm going to guess like 40. She was a little older than me by, you know, 10-ish years, what it seemed like. Mm -hmm. She was a very nice person. She just seemed like she was really freaked out and just had all this nervous energy and was just stressed about, you know, because I'm guessing she works probably if right at, or maybe just a slightly above minimum wage. And I could not imagine making minimum wage and having, and seeing the gas prices. Like I remember when I drove home, I specifically drove by a gas station because I wanted to see what the gas was. And the crazy thing is I thought like, I haven't really, like I've heard the gas prices were high. I did fill up the car once, but I didn't really think about it that much. 
But hearing her talk about it made me stop and think, oh my gosh, this is really high. Mm -hmm. And I realized I had some privilege there, right? I just did because I, it wasn't like screaming in my head about what am I going to do? I'm someone, I work from home, so I don't have to have gas to do my job. Mm -hmm. Like I, I can stay home all day if I want to and not have to go anywhere because I have this kind of cushy, you know, living experience where I can do all that stuff from home. And she doesn't, she has to go to work um, and not make a ton of money and pay these gas prices that are insane. And here I walk in and she feels like here's someone I can maybe vent to. And like, it was, I've thought about it so much after that. It was, I've, I feel privileged that for some reason she felt I was accessible to have that conversation with. For some reason she felt that I was someone who could lend a sympathetic ear. And it kind of quickened me to realize that I cannot take those situations lightly. When you have a chance mm. to support and impact and listen to someone else, sees it. It doesn't always happen. Like I, that hasn't happened yeah. to me a lot recently. Like I've, I'm kind of a keep to yourself guy when I'm just out and about doing my stuff. Like I'm not typically like a super like outgoing, friendly person. Not that I mean, I just am not, I kind of like keep my head down and do my thing and go home. That's kind of how I am unless I'm with friends or things like that. Mm -hmm. But I want to do better. Like I, I want to challenge myself to be more gregarious and to meet people and to ask questions and to engage. And because there's so many different types of people out there and I feel privileged that I was someone who she felt that she could unload her concerns to, and I would help carry that load for her for the 10 minutes we were talking. So hmm. that was, that was the encounter I had that I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And I think that, uh, you're right. Like you, we shouldn't just slough off other people's problems or try to ignore them when they're in those situations. Like they may have something genuine they need to share that they felt like you were the person they needed to share it with. Yeah. And yeah, I think that that's, um, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Well, I'm glad you had that heart for them and that empathy for their situation. Cause yeah, it's, not great out there for a lot of people. And I think we're, yeah. we're all in a place of like increased tension. I know I've definitely had the thoughts of like, it could be over. Like I could go to sleep and never wake up. We could just right. have a nuclear yep. explosion. Mm -hmm. You know, they could target Oak Ridge, Tennessee because it's home to, yes, you know, one true. of the only places in the country where they, they enrich tritium. Well, not Oak Ridge, but somewhere really close by here in East Tennessee, they, they, um, they enrich the mineral that is used in the hydrogen bomb here. Yeah. So, and we're the, like the only place in the U S where they do that, that we know about. And so you've got things like that. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, like, could that be us? Would that be somewhere else? Like we probably won't really be on the map or the target, but you know, you don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's a lot of anxiety and financial stresses. Like, you know, mm -hmm. having a second kid, we're, we're feeling that because our daycare costs doubled. Oh, yeah. And daycare costs in this country are astronomical. It's ridiculous yeah. how much daycare is. I mean, at this point, I could afford a, a very low paid, um, like au pair or something like full time. And that would be as much as what we're paying to take them to daycare. Now, yeah. we like their daycare. And so we're going to keep sending them there. But yeah. like it's, you know, 
it, I am just counting down the days until my son goes into a public school and we no longer have to pay <laughs> right. for his yeah. tuition. I'll happily pay $80 in gas every week or two to, to take just him to school. Your versus, kids. Just, you know, yeah. just, you know, no, house no. on the prairie at, no. and just, I was homeschooled, <laughs> Michael. For a very brief period in my life, I was homeschooled. I know, I was too. I get it. I know, don't do that. And I love my mother and I love, you know, and I actually had a pretty good homeschooling experience, but... I did too. But like, I mean, we don't have time for it in this episode, but there's another podcast There's a whole, there's a whole conversation to be had around the things about homeschooling that I think are just potentially really dangerous but i agree yeah. anyways i digress but yeah man well that's cool that's uh that's good so yeah. we've had some interesting uh interesting conversations and we really uh, have yeah maybe next time we'll actually get a guest on the show maybe we don't have to but at some point we need to we need to find a guest yeah well we we'll definitely try again. i i have yeah. some ideas good 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 well this has been great let's uh wrap it up wrap it up man let's say what you okay. say well, if you found this show interesting, and we know you did or you wouldn't made it to this point, then be sure to follow us on your podcast player of choice and leave us a review. We really hope it's five stars. If it is five stars, we'll read your comment on our next episode. Also, be sure to keep up with the latest show at oi-pod.com. And you can follow me on all the social platforms at Christopheles. And you can follow me at theyoungmonk87 on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, you sure can. And Michael, I'm just glad you're alive. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I am too. I am too. If, if only for this podcast, my greatest moment since reemerging as a, you know a fully healed individual. So yeah, greatest greatest moment, but maybe not the greatest experience of the whole thing. You know, you never told me about watching The Lion King for the first time. Oh yes, you know. Okay, yeah. So that's the whole thing. So. <laughs> My boyfriend loves The Lion King. I mean, it's it's loves it, loves it, loves it. And I have not watched it to this point. Now, I did watch Lion King one and a half, which I think, yes, that counts. Um, everybody disagrees oh with me, gosh, but whatever. No. Everybody else is wrong. No. Anyway, so, <laughs> so you're already getting mad. So <laughs> part of it could have come from just my ultimate gratitude for him being there the whole time. But I was like, let's watch The Lion King. So it was the last night I was in the hospital and I was feeling pretty good mostly and uh, i said let's watch it and so we kind of huddled up when i put the computer on top of the little bed stand that they give you at the hospital and we watched lion king and I actually really enjoyed it like i really did the music is really good i had seen snippets of course because you can't be alive and not see snippets of the lion king mm-hmm. um but i i really enjoyed it it's actually a really good story really really good music great message i quite enjoyed it so now i can say i have watched the lion king I still prefer Lion King one and a half. No, I still do. No. Stop it! How? I do because it's you know, funny. That, no, 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 but, but, but no, but but dude, like that Here that type of thing was was that era of Disney, and I I very clearly remember it because it was the era of Disney that had me concerned about anything that came out of Disney after it, because what they had done was they had like they were straight to DVD or straight to VHS videos that came out that uh-huh. were Lion King one and a half. They had like Cinderella one and a half. They had all these like halfway sequels that were what if scenarios that were not real. Like they were and they never had the same cast. They never brought back any of the original actors. So in Lion King one and a half, you heard Jonathan, you know, Jameson instead of Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Jonathan Jameson Jonathan. I don't know. Like you, you had some like off-brand guy playing 
you know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas and all this stuff. Like it, none, nobody came back, you know, it wasn't Nathan Lane. It was Nathan Swain. You know, they had like, <laughs> they had all, all of these really terrible actors that came in to like take the place. And it just felt fake. Like for someone who grew up with all those Disney movies, like to watch other people play the parts and to even watch the animation just clearly be cheaper. It just made me go, Ugh, why am I watching this? This is awful. But don't you just love the part when Pumbaa farts? Like that's just, I've never seen it. I've never, oh, I just you know out of what? principle, okay, I've never so, seen Okay. It. You know what? You've never seen it. So you can't have an authority on this. I can have an authority. No, on you it can't. Because seen, no, you can't. Because you, yes. you told me that I couldn't have an authority on Lion King because I've not seen it. So that's, it cuts both ways, dude. It cuts <laughs> both freaking ways. You need to watch Lion King one and a half. Okay. Just oh, do I it. Do, no. Just do it. Uh, Why not? Just do no, it. No, it feels like, it feels like, I mean, like I have flashbacks to my sisters, like in my mother being like, Chris, you need to watch this with your sisters so you can play Nintendo later. And I'm like, okay. Uh, well, listen, the next there, time I come I'm visit tortured. you, I'm going to make you watch it. Do you have like, it on DVD or something? You have like I'll, a VHS I'll of find, it? No, no, because guess, no. Because even Disney has buried no, Di- no, listen, Lion King one and a half. Would, okay, don't ever ask someone if they have something on DVD, okay? Like, this is 2022, right? That is ridiculous. Like, no, I don't have it on DVD because I have streaming services. I can get off a of streaming service. We can watch it. Oh, dang it. We can even do a virtual watch party. So because this can even happen before I visit you. We can have a virtual watch party and do this. It needs to happen. It's going to happen. So get ready. It's happening. Michael, I just want you to know that Lion King one and a half. I just Googled it. It stars Matthew Broderick as Simba. And the That's problem like with the that ultimate is ultimate insult to Jonathan Taylor Thomas. How? Matthew Broderick is a genius. He's a genius, but he's no Jonathan. Like, like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, come on! Like maybe he's, he's better than than J. Well, I think he was probably playing an older, an older Simba is probably what it was. So not seeing a problem here. Yeah, so. it's just, uh, dang it! It actually got a four star rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> That's why I'm saying you need to watch it. It's see, so it's, good. But I, I can, I can almost guarantee you, it's not on. It's not on Disney Plus. There's no way this is on Disney Plus. It's, it's somewhere. It is somewhere. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Look, it, it was somewhere because I started watching it at some point after we watched original Lion King because <clears throat> you know, we watched it and then he had to leave the hospital because it was nine o'clock at night. And so then <laughs> I was up a little later and I started watching the one and a half and then I fell asleep. It's on so, Disney Plus. It is. There you Man, go. My, there you go. So let's this see. is really easy. So do they have the Cinderella one and a half? No, they have Cinderella two. Dang it, they do have Cinderella two and three. Like, see, they but the, the th- here's my point. Like, Disney started making all these really crappy, crappy sequels of movies. Cinderella two, Cinderella and three. One and a half is not one of those crappy sequels. I Apparently say not. That forever, Apparently not. Apparently Nathan Lane is actually in it too. So I'm a little, I'm a little, uh, you know, I'm so over exaggerating a little you're bit. You're going to watch it with me? No. Well, yes, you are. What? Yes, you're. You're watching. I don't. I don't. It's happening. I mean, I'm. I'm pulling my friendship clout cards whatever you call it like this is happening yeah if you if you care you about the space card is this is this the space oh, card that's a, that's t- that's for another podcast we don't have time to, <laughs> to unpack that no, we, we, we do not we do not but this is the card you're pulling yeah because okay. i haven't pulled that card yet ah, so i've not pulled it yet so what we're gonna do you know what okay here's what we're gonna do we're gonna have a special 
exclusive podcast episode where we'll do like a mystery science theater podcast of Lion King one and a half. And we're going to watch it on the podcast and we're going to share our comments live as we're watching it. What's going to happen? Why don't we just do a live stream of it? That's fine. Yeah, let's do a live stream. And I'm I like just, that idea. I'm, I just, I'm excited about this because again, Pumbaa farts in this and it's just, <laughs> it's absolutely The more you're talking amazing. about it, the more I think I may have actually seen it. But I, you, I guarantee you've not, because if you saw it, you would understand the majesty of Lion King one and a half. Again, the word, I'll say it again, majesty. Well, okay. okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to tolerate it for you. Okay. You know, just, just like what's her name? Dion Warwick says, that's what friends are for. That's right. That's right. <laughs> In good times and bad times. I'll be on your side. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we should, we should end it there. We really should. (laughs) Yeah. This outro has gone on way too long. (laughs) (laughs) It was was awesome though. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Okay, man. Have a good night. You too.